everybody, it's Krista. Before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to let you know that this was recorded pre-COVID. So if you hear us talking about travel or being in the same room together, things like that, not to worry, this was all pre-lockdown. So thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode. Type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disorder and experts still aren't sure what causes it or how we can cure it. Finding a way to suppress the progress of autoimmune disorders without compromising the immune system is a puzzle researchers around the world are hoping to solve. I'm Krista Lamb, and today on the Diabetes Canada podcast, I'm speaking to Dr. Pere Santamaria from the University of Calgary, whose research into autoimmune disorders and, specifically, type 1 diabetes is hoping to crack that code. Welcome, Dr. Santa Maria. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. It's very, very um, awesome to have you here today. I wanted to talk to you on the show for a really long time, and so we're really happy that you're in Toronto and we were able to make this happen. And I think the first thing I wanted to talk to you about is um, when people hear about your research, it can be really complicated. <laughs> I know that even understanding what you do, it can be hard to explain. So I wanted to try and get you to explain it a little bit to the listeners who might not be so familiar with basic or discovery science. Right. So, um, I mean, you're, the question refers to the nanomedicine or refers to the, to the research in general? Yeah, yeah, to your, yeah, to your research in general. Right. So, so the research that, that, that we do um, in my group is trying to understand, traditionally it's been trying to understand the, the immunogenetics and immunopathology of uh, type 1 diabetes in particular, but also uh, autoimmune disease in general. I mean, your audience will, will know that... Um, that type 1 diabetes is a, is a disease caused by uh, an attack of the cells that make insulin in the pancreas by our immune, the immune system, the white blood cells that, that go around our blood vessels <clears throat> to protect us against infections and cancers. And sometimes, uh, for reasons that we don't uh, quite understand fully, uh, these white blood cells turn themselves against us, meaning the... the they think that the pancreas or the cells that make insulin in the pancreas are, are some strange thing that needs to be eliminated. And then they mount this attack, um, and then they, they destroy the cells that make insulin. And so that's just for type 1 diabetes, but there is a whole host of other diseases that affect humankind. Uh, there are about 100, 100 of them that are autoimmune in nature. Autoimmune means auto against us, immune mediated by the immune system. And so, you know, our work uh, focuses or has focused for, 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 for many years on uh, type 1 diabetes as a, as a disease entity that helps us understand uh, or tease apart uh, the different steps that result in, uh, you know, an autoimmune disease, the, the culmination of an autoimmune disease. And, and from that, we've learned a lot about other autoimmune diseases, and that's sort of what my research uh, focuses around, is, is, is trying to understand the complexity of, that, of, of, those, of these diseases. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting. And you mentioned something that I did want to ask you about, which is nanomedicines, because that comes up a lot when people are talking about you. And I don't know that even I understand it 100% what nanomedicines are. So could you explain? Right. So, I mean, I didn't invent nanomedicine. I mean, nanomedicine is, is something that was invented by other people. Uh, and uh, nanomedicine means is medicine that has to do with nanotechnology, related to nanotechnology. And nanotechnology is a technology that has to do with something very small. You know, nano means small. I mean, you know, it means nano is, 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 uh, is small, okay? And, um, and so a nanomedicine, the, the type of nanomedicines that we discovered uh, um, uh, 
revolve around the use of these very tiny particles, you know, like, uh, you know, billions of times smaller than a golf ball, uh, that, that when they are decorated with certain baits, baits here I'm using it as an analogy for, you know, those of us who like to fish, um, uh, and, you know, uh, these baits are, uh, would be, you know, proteins that are expressed uh, by the tissue that is being attacked in an autoimmune disease, in this case, the pancreatic beta cell, and that bait would uh, allow certain white blood cells of the immune system that like to attack the cells that make insulin, uh, and then these white blood cells bite on the bait, like a fish biting on a bait when you go fishing, and catch that fish if you're lucky. And then when when that that white blood cell catches the bait, um, that interaction, because the nanoparticle is present, induces certain changes in its behavior and its um, and its function that turn that white blood cell from a from a from a cell that it attacks that attacks the pancreas into a white blood cell that now suppresses inflammation in the pancreas. And now it's much more it's much more complicated than this and I don't want to get into the details, but basically these nanomedicines what they do is they reprogram uh, pathogenic uh, or bad white blood cells into a good or anti-pathogenic white blood cells. So just in general terms, that's that's what this means. And I mean, it's really exciting because now you're starting to work on taking things to the next level and creating actual drugs that could potentially at some point be in the clinic for people who have autoimmune disorders. And we've had Dan Drucker on the show before, and he talked a lot about the work that he's done with GLP-1 agonists and how long it took before they actually became drugs and medicines that are available in the clinic for the patient. And so are you excited about the potential of sort of moving from the clinic to uh, to the to the actual people. Yes, of course. I mean, uh, it's it's an opportunity. I mean, scientifically, it's not it's not easy or straightforward to go from from your discoveries that you know one makes in the, the bench into uh, clinical practice. I mean, it's easier said than done. Not everything that that is that is fantastic in a laboratory ends up being translated, and that's because. It requires, uh, you know, I mean, translation from bench to bedside requires resources that are not commonly available. Um, means that you have to be involved with industry experts and, and, and know-how that 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 we in academia do not have. And so, uh, and then there are many other considerations, business considerations, intellectual property considerations, that we're not necessarily well trained of, well trained with, um, uh, and so. You know, the, you, you know, it's it's not an easy thing to do. So you're asking me if I'm excited? Yes, I'm excited, but but it's also important for people to recognize that it's not straightforward, and uh, and that it does take a long time, and it does take a long time not because, not because um, you know, um, you know, it cannot be done. It's because one need again. I'm repeating myself, but you one needs uh, financial resources that are not available through normal granting agencies, and and so. And and there is uh, and that that creates um, uh, limitations as to what you can do. And then, not every drug that one discovers or, or druggable, you know, what we call druggable uh, targets that one discovers in a laboratory, uh, can actually be developed, right? Uh, and so, there is a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of, you know, manufacturing the drug and scaling it up. 
and making it viable in terms of, of being able to, to uh, make a lot of it so that it can be eventually uh, uh, brought to, to, uh, uh, to clinical practice. And I think that's a really good point. When uh, Dr. Tim Kiefer was on the show, he talked about how he'd had to have a lot of investment from the pharmaceutical industry and from life sciences in order to make it possible for his stem cell, um, his potential stem cell treatment to get to the point where it could go into clinical trials and all of these things because we don't realize the cost of working with this type of um, work. And so you've been lucky in that you, your uh, your work has had some investment and I think that's, you know, that is something to be uh, excited about because there is so much potential. Right. So, I mean, we made this discovery approximately 2005, the end of 2004, 2005, and it took a long, long time uh, before we could actually secure some some funding to pay for the things that needed to be done. So we, we founded the company, a, sp- a spin-off from the University of Calgary as a vehicle uh, for translation and, um, and this company, which is named is Parvis Therapeutics, was able to secure partnerships with, with major pharmaceutical uh, companies that were interested in the technology and, and, and in developing, manufacturing the drugs for the treatment of some of, of some of these disorders, including type one diabetes, and so yeah, I mean, it, you know, it took it took forever, and and in the meantime, I mean, we were able to advance uh, the science further because that's also important. Be able to to understand the technology a little bit better, how it works, uh, which which lent itself to you know bringing more credibility to 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 uh, to the work that we that. Uh, the fundamental work that, that that sustains and supports sort of these these ideas behind these nanomedicines. Yeah, and I think it's such a, your story is such an interesting one because you, when you started out, it was really hard to find funding. And I know Diabetes Canada was one of the first organizations to fund your research. And so I think it's amazing to see it go from you know this tiny seed funding, you know, the when you were beginning your career all the way to here where you're getting this major investment because people have seen how much potential this does have. Yeah, right. I mean, so you're talking about when I started as, a, as an independent investigator at the University of Calgary. This was in 1992, a long time ago. Um, you know, I was a young uh, assistant professor, and, and I didn't have any funding because the granting agencies did not, did not, you know, did not fund me at that particular moment in my career. Um, and uh, the Canadian Diabetes Association fund, uh, funded me um, through a scholarship that basically paid my my salary, and that basically was a lifesaver for me, a career saver. And, and I continued to pursue my own ideas regardless of, of what granting agencies reviewers thought. And, and, and on, that, on that particular occasion, not on all other occasions, but on that particular occasion, I was right. And, um, and so, yes, I mean, that, I, owe, I owe a lot to Diabetes Canada, which used to, which used to be Diabetes, the Canadian Diabetes Association, for, for that early support without which... Uh, you know, none of none of what uh, we're experiencing today, in, in my particular personal case, would would have been possible. So, yeah. and it's exciting too because now with the 100th anniversary of insulin coming up, and you've worked around the world. You started in Spain, and I always love that you were in uh, Minnesota before this, which is yes. also very cold, like Calgary, I guess. So close. But are you excited to be in Canada while we're celebrating the 100th anniversary? Yeah. So I kept going on up north because it wasn't cold enough. So, <laughs> so I decided to come to Canada. Uh, no, I mean I just, I just, I'm just kidding. I mean Canada. Um, 
I mean, the, the, the reason why I came to Canada is because the, the, the institution to which I'm affiliated with, the University of Calgary, at that, at that particular time, and even to this day, um, attracted me because of its facilities and, and the sort of research that was being done at that time on type 1 diabetes, in particularly in mouse models of type 1 diabetes, and, and so that's the reason why I came, because the things that I wanted to do, I felt I could do them very well there. Um, and I think I was right. I mean, things have worked out for me um, uh, in in, uh, in Calgary, and I've stayed there uh, ever since. So, uh, your other question was? Oh, no, I was just, I was really just asking about how excited you are to be in Canada for the 100th anniversary. Oh, next no, year. It's, it's great. It's great. I mean, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, one feels proud of being part of, uh, of, of the community, uh, scientific community, and the, and the institutions that, that witnessed uh, the discovery of insulin. Of course, one is proud of being a Canadian in, uh, in Canada and, uh, and being you know, able to do research in that. And actually, I will partic be participating in the... the yes, the, I, I saw that you're going to yeah. be speaking here during yes. that event. That's yes. wonderful. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah it's going yeah, to be a very... it. It's going to be a very exciting... Um, for those that are listening that don't know, 2021 is the 100th anniversary of the discovery of insulin. So that is going to be a very big deal in, uh, in Canada. We're very, very proud of that. And so... You actually had not planned, when you came, you weren't necessarily planning to work in type 1 diabetes, but you, you were interested in autoimmune disorders, and since then, you've become really involved in type 1 diabetes research, and I, I mean, I know that it's very close to your heart, and why do you think that type 1 sort of became part of what you do? I mean, in terms of... Uh, your research. But, but very early on? I yeah. Mean, yeah. Well, I mean... Um, you know, I developed an autoimmune disease when I was young. I was very young. I was 15 years of age. Uh, and at, at that time, you know, as you're growing up, you're, you know, you're surrounded by the things that happen to you and, and you become curious, I suppose. Um, I, I, you know, I was, I was interested in research, in a career research somehow. I mean, I, you know, sort of looking back, you know, I mean, you're, of course, you're not conscious about what the decisions you make as you go along, right? But... But I, you know, I was curious. Always, always was curious, and and um, and I was thinking about something that would that would be stimulating. And so research was something I was very interested in. But of course, you know, I could have gone into any type of research, um, you know, uh, and I suppose, although I'm not, I wasn't conscious about that. I suppose that having had that disease. Uh, made me choose the career path that I took. I mean, I was interested in immunology. Why would it? Why would it be immunology? I mean, and it was immunology because probably because I had a, a disease that had to do with immunology. And I sort of read about it, and 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 you know, I was became fascinated by by the complexities of the immune system. And then and then in terms of the autoimmune disease, I mean, asking why did I work on type one diabetes? That was a bit serendipitous because I had no personal connection to the disease, nor you know, family history or friends that had the disease, who had the disease, and uh, but I had an opportunity to work with somebody at the University of Minnesota to do where I did my postdoctoral training, uh, who was specializing or focusing on the genetics of type 1 diabetes in families, in families that had multiple people affected. And I thought that that was very interesting, and but it was an opportunity for me, a career opportunity. And then you know I started working on that, and I discovered additional complexities, and and you know I became more curious, and then and then you know that's you know one thing leads to another, and I you know I, you know it's it's um, it's such a complicated disease 
from 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 many points of view, and and the other diseases that are related to type one diabetes in terms of being autoimmune are as equally, if not more, complicated. And so, understanding that complexity is is of course very important and significant, or at least trying to understand that complexity. But also, it it you know I, I felt that it it could expose targets for therapeutic intervention that that uh, that would be useful for for treating patients, which. You know, something that that I was I was interested uh, interested, of course, in, in contributing to, and you know, I was lucky enough to make a discovery that that maybe one day will 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 we'll accomplish some of that. And so, so it's a tortuous, uh, serendipitous path in life where you go from one place to the other. Sometimes you don't know exactly why you take that path, why you took that path, and and what's next, right? I mean, so it's just just you know, play by ear as you keep going, you know. And I think a lot of people are really happy that you you actually fell into this path because, as you said, that you're very, very lucky, but also you've done a lot of hard work to have, you know, made this discovery that might have an impact. And so I guess my next question for you is, what is next? What is the, where, what is the plan from here for you? I mean, well, I mean, there is there is the, 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 the academic aspect of it, and then there is the, the commercial aspect. The commercial, when I say commercial, meaning the, you know, the, 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 the path to clinical translation, I mean, to which, um, you, know, the, you know, there is a company, there is, there is not me anymore, I mean, there's other people that, uh, you know, that, that, you know, have the, the right expertise uh, that, that will enable, they are trying to, to uh, to, to take this class of new class of drugs to uh, clinical trials and eventually to the marketplace, and so so I'm helping them as much as I can uh, with all my energy to to um, uh, to, to accomplish that goal. And, and then you know academically, um, of course, I mean there are there are additional research questions that we have. I mean, you know, these nanomedicines do something that appears to be a little magical, um, and and trying to understand the details. Of how they operate and how they accomplish that, you know, at the cellular and molecular level, is is fascinating. And so, so we are we're we're digging through, digging deep, and 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 teasing that apart. And you know, every time we look, we find something strange, and then we pursue that, and then we find something even more strange. And and, and it's um, it's it's very rewarding that way because we're discovering new new uh, immunological pathways that were not known to exist. Um, that that actually have been designed by natural evolution to protect us against uh, these diseases, right? Uh, and so, so discovering that uh, using these drugs as sort of a as as a, as a um, you know is, is these drugs is what triggers or exposes these pathways that occur in the immune system, um, you know, uh, you know, exposes new biology and, and, and new knowledge. And so, that, so that's, that's what's next for me in terms of academically. But then there is the practical aspect of, of bringing these drugs to patients, which is obviously far more important because at the end of the day, the reason why we do science, I mean, you know, biomedical research, is to be able to provide solutions um, uh, to, to patients or, or, you know, healthcare and, and uh, you know, and so, so it's, I, I, you know, I, I consider ourselves lucky, myself lucky to be, to be able to contribute to that. Yeah, and I think we're all very lucky um, that you are doing this work. And so I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you've got a very busy day in Toronto, and so thank you. No, thank you very much for, for having me here. It's a pleasure. I mean, anything that, that, that I, 
you know, can do to help, uh, you know, uh, like community patients and their relatives understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, and, and why it's important to the research, not just the research that we do, but the research that all my colleagues do. Uh, and and, and uh, I think it's very important, right? The, the, the importance of doing basic curiosity-driven biomedical research is, uh, is enormous for our society. And I think, I think, you know, I think sometimes politicians do not quite understand or appreciate the value that this uh, that this brings, and so I think it's important to expose that and, and help people understand because at the end of the day, the people is what supports what we do. So, Absolutely. thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and thank you to everyone for joining us today. If you like today's show, please consider subscribing in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast provider of your choice. If you have questions or comments, you can send them to info at diabetes.ca or reach out to Diabetes Canada on all the social media channels. We are at Diabetes Canada on all of them. Thanks for listening.